not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. And so I'm going to ask you to announce my title this morning. Will you just look at your neighbor and ask him a question? Just ask him, what are you so excited about? And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Our theme, of course, for 2018 is celebrate. And Chris Watley, job well done this morning. Uh, so well done. And, and you know, with Chris, you're always going to get some mathematics in there some kind of way and a little bit of science. He's going to make you think a little bit harder than you may want to. But Chris, that was phenomenal. Thank you so much and just so well done. And so we're continuing to celebrate today. And this is going to be a celebrate message, uh, an excitement a building message. And so we've been trying now since January 1st to celebrate everything, big and small, everything in between. And I've been working on celebrating my, or I've been working on my celebrate mindset ever since this theme was launched. And it's amazing how many things you really have to celebrate if you stop and think about it. If you really put forth a little bit effort and change your, your outlook a little bit, there's lots of things to celebrate. And you know, we don't always articulate it as a testimony. We may not even tell somebody about it. Perhaps we don't even get the opportunity to present it to the church in this fashion. But it's amazing how the celebrate mindset shows up in our lives in different ways. So for example, have you ever noticed how hard it is to go to sleep the night before vacation? It's also difficult to go to sleep the night before Christmas, Christmas Eve. Even as an adult, I have a hard time going to sleep on Christmas Eve, and I know what everybody's going to get, including myself. And it's still hard to go to sleep. What about when the boss calls you in and and says to expect a little more on your paycheck next week, and that there's a possibility for an advancement in your future? We, We tend to bounce back to our desk and work with a little more enthusiasm and vigor after a conversation like that. What about the way we look forward to spending time with friends and family? That we love. We'll plan way in advance and we'll drive long distances just to spend a few hours with friends and family that we love and that we really care about. These, I believe, are tiny reflections, small, certain evidence of a celebratory mindset and attitude. And the truth is, is that we can all testify about the goodness of God in our lives, whether it's finances, health, jobs. The list goes on and on. If we really try to dig deep, we all have something to celebrate. There's an old song that says, you don't know, like I know, what the Lord has done for me. But you know, that's really a shame, because if we would start telling it, if we start testifying about it, then you would know, like I know, what God has done for me, and I would know what God has done for you, and together we would celebrate the greatness of God and the way he has of pouring out his blessing in our life. And so the Bible is full of this idea of what we say is what we get. It talks about in one place about speaking life. It talks about the power of life and death is in the tongue. What we say is really what we get. And so it's very important, I believe, that we speak positive, that we speak celebration that we speak testimony in our life because then we get a taste of heaven here on earth. So let me, if you would, engage you for just a few moments about a few things that I'm celebrating in my life 
from this year to date. Two years ago, or two and a half years ago now, we were sitting in the waiting room with many of you at Our Lady of the Lake as Dawson underwent a biopsy that ultimately led to a leukemia diagnosis. And in that waiting room, as that procedure was going on, somebody put an iPhone in my hand and it was streaming live a prayer vigil that was being held right here at Grace Church. And you have no idea what that meant to us to know that we had brothers and sisters praying right here on the Grace Church campus in one of the darkest uh, times of our life. And looking back now, I believe it was that prayer meeting that set the precedent, that blazed the path and laid the foundation for everything that God has done in Dawson's life and in our life ever since. And so today I celebrate a church that prays for its members and I celebrate an answer to prayer. Most of you know, and many of you also experienced the flood in August of 2016. Most of you know how we lost our house. Many of you also, we've all had our journey of getting back squared away and getting back to ground zero and and getting reestablished. And after, it's been a year and a half now since we lost the house in the flood. And I'm happy this morning to say that we moved into our house on this past Thursday. And so when I came to campus this morning, I drove from our house to church. And I'm celebrating a God that restores a hundredfold, a hundredfold. I'm thankful today for a God of restoration. I celebrate today with Tanya and Jonathan. I still, this, you know, this idea that God is a healer, I still can't get this out of my mind, but we've told the story how they brought Tucker up here. There was something wrong with his hip. It looked like there might have been a fracture of some kind. And we just prayed a simple prayer right here in the name of Jesus. And Tanya set Tucker down and off he went running. They've never looked back. Tucker's been healed. No problems with his hip ever since. I celebrate a God that hears and answers prayer and that heals our bodies and heals our diseases. When I think of his goodness and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. So I ask you today, what are you so excited about here at Grace Church on Celebration Sunday? What is it that you are so excited about? We all have things to be excited about and to celebrate today. So in our text this morning, Jesus sends out 70 individuals. The scripture just refers to them as the 70. And he commissions these guys to go out. These are not the 12 disciples. This is 12 followers or 70 followers of Jesus that he sends out. And he gives them a specific assignment, a specific mission. And he tells them to go out in units of two and to heal the sick and cast out devils. And the scripture is very explicit that Jesus gives them power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And he gave them power over demons. And he gave them power to heal sickness and disease. In short, he emboldened them and he commissioned them. And they fulfilled the mission to such rousing success. And they did such a good job. And and the power of Jesus flowed them through them so seamlessly that they came back rejoicing that the demons were subject to them through his name. And basically, if you want to put it in our terms, the the enemy was neutralized and, and the mission was accomplished. And I want to pause right here at this point in my message and remind us that the same power that Jesus gave the 70 dwells in each and every one of us today that are filled with the presence of God. 
And sometimes I don't think we understand how powerful we really are. And I include myself in that in that category. We don't understand how much power flows through our veins if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. I think oftentimes we are like the cowardly lion who is really king of the jungle and who is really the, 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 the winner of all the beasts of the jungle and he's over in the corner biting his nails in a cowardly fashion because he doesn't really understand who he is. But I want to remind us today for just a moment apostolics of who we really are in the power and presence of God. We know that we shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe, that in my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I wonder if there are any apostolics in the house today that know that if God is for you, nothing can stand against you. That you know that if the enemy shall come at you one way, He'll flee a thousand ways. I'm hungry for a book of Acts, power, that says silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. These are they that have turned their world upside down. These are they that their shadows passed and their sick were healed. Thanks be to God who gives you the victory through His name. That's who you are in Jesus Christ. And that's who I am in Jesus Christ. And so I ask you again today, what are you so excited about? Now, of course, I set you up this morning, and uh, you knew this was coming, but as happy and as excited we, as we are about the idea and the prospect of a book of Acts move of God and revival and and having God flow through us in that way as well we should be. Jesus has has, has admonished and has told these 70, and He tells us today that that is not the sum total of our reason to celebrate. It's not the sum total of our reason to rejoice. When these 70 came back to Jesus, He cautioned them. And I don't look at it as a rebuke. I don't think that Jesus was necessarily angry. I think he just gave him a word of caution. And he said that you're not to rejoice over the power that is flowing in you. Rather, rejoice that your name is in the book of life. In other words, he was saying that the most powerful weapon that you have in your spiritual arsenal is not the power of the Holy Ghost to tread on serpents and scorpions and to cast out demons. It is the power of your testimony. The most powerful weapon that God has given you is the testimony of how He saved you. That's why it says in the book of Revelation, these are they that overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Notice that the 70 came back to Jesus with the right attitude. They weren't coming back moaning and groaning about how hard the missionary journey was. They were not discouraged. They didn't talk about the fatigue They didn't talk about how hard it was to travel. Rather, they were on fire. They were pumped up. They were ready for the next assignment. And Jesus said, hold on, hang on. Just a minute, let me get your attention. You're excited about the wrong thing. You're celebrating, you're rejoicing, but it's misguided. You should be rejoicing because you are saved. That's where your power really is. 
And that's what should be celebrated. You know, there was another scripture setting where Jesus actually went so far to say, on that great judgment day, there will be those that come and say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. Just like these 70, we took authority and, and we did all these things. And he's going to say, depart. I never knew you. Why? Because the salvation experience had not been applied to their lives. So the victory is not in the power over the devil. The victory is in the power of your salvation. So let me ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about this. Why is it then that we celebrate a miracle, a healing, a demonstration of apostolic power, yet our salvation experience so often becomes old and stale and mundane? Why is it that somewhere along the way we stop celebrating the joy of our salvation Experience and we cease the forth telling of our testimony. I believe the answer is, is because we're more focused on what we do than who we are. Said, it, said another way, we're more, more focused on what God is doing through us than what God is doing in us. Did you know there's a reason that we're called human beings? We're not called human doings. We're called human beings. And it's because God is not so much concerned about what we are doing as He is concerned about who we are and what we are becoming. And so we become content to feel a little apostolic rumble now and then, to see God answer a prayer here and there, when all along God is saying, don't you know who you really are in Christ don't you know the power I've placed inside of you when you receive the Holy Ghost? Don't you remember the testimony that I've given you when you became a part of a royal bloodline? Don't you remember that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation? In one place, the Bible says we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means we're sons and daughters of the Most High. The Bible says now are we called the sons of God. The Bible says as many as received them, to them gave He power to become sons of God. So the bottom line is, is we that have been redeemed and have experienced salvation are King's kids. We're sons and daughters of the King and that is something to celebrate. That is something worth getting excited about. That God brought me out. That He set me on a rock to stay. That even though I was dead and lost in my sin, I have been redeemed. I've had my garments washed in the blood of the Lamb. That is why I celebrate today. And so today I challenge you to celebrate your salvation experience. That moment when heaven came down and looked at you face to face and you were filled with the Holy Ghost. Did you know that when you received the Holy Ghost and that when your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life that the angels threw a party? The Bible says that the angels rejoice when one turns, when one repents. The Bible says in another place, the angels desire to look into the salvation experience that you have. So in other words, you've got something that even the angels in heaven cannot have. And I believe that is something that we should celebrate more often than we do. And in fact, the scripture 
commands us to celebrate our salvation experience. Let me run through a list here of a, of a few Bible passages where the Scripture commands us to rejoice. Psalm 13 and 5, My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Psalm 20 and 5, We will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of God, we will set up our banners. Psalm 21, 1, The king shall joy in the strength of the Lord, and in thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. Psalm 9, 14, That I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughters of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Psalm 34, uh, 35, 9, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice. In his salvation. Isaiah 25 9, and it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Habakkuk 3.18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Matthew 5:12, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. It is so important to talk about our salvation. It is so critical to give our testimony and to celebrate the life-giving good news that God has redeemed us. And that's really what the gospel is. It's the good news that Jesus Christ came, He died, He was buried, and He rose again. And that we partake with Him when we are baptized in Jesus' name and filled up with His Spirit. Then we become joint heirs with Him. We pass from death and unto life. Old things are passed away and all things become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And so we celebrate this morning in our salvation. Now, the testimony, your salvation experience, is a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful thing. And there are countless examples, as many people as are here today could stand and give your testimony. But I want to give just a couple that come to mind this morning. One, very recently, uh, you'll remember just right after the first of the year, Devin came and God filled him up with the Holy Ghost and we baptized him in Jesus' name. And right after that, he brought his friend Andrew and Andrew was filled up with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And we celebrate every time. Just, just like the Bible says the angels celebrate, we celebrate every time somebody is born again, every time somebody's sins are washed away, every time somebody is filled up with the Holy Ghost and speaks in that heavenly language. We celebrate that. And I've noticed since the first of the year here at Grace Church, it's something that we're experiencing more and more and more. And in the future, it's going to happen more and more and more where we have brand new people being filled up with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And so that's what's happening here and now. We have people being filled up. Just two weeks ago, uh, little Heston and Avery Bunch were ba- uh, baptized in Jesus' name. There's, there's great revival among our children. Uh, God's doing a work, and, and that's a, a, a reflection of the children's ministry and youth ministry, these examples. And that's what God's doing here in our church now and here and now, but I, I gotta I gotta go back just a ways. I I couldn't help but share this. To to me, the just as powerful a conversion testimony 
maybe outside of the Apostle Paul's that I can think of, is this revival. You've heard Pastor talk about it. I, I was a little young. I don't remember all of it. Kinda, I kind of got to enjoy the after effects, but this revival among the hippies in the late 60s and throughout the 70s. And, and uh, Sister Pat, you were key in, in that. God used you mightily in this area for the revival. And, and I remember um, several stories. Uh, Sister Patsy is here today, and I can remember uh, we were students at CCCS, Capital City Christian School, and she sat us down one day in chapel service, and she gave us her testimony. Sister Patsy, I still remember that. I still remember your testimony. Radical conversion. God brought her out, and, and her brothers and sisters, the, the Suttons and Sister Yvonne, and, and, and these, the, there were these hippies in, in the 70s, and they had given themselves wholly to that lifestyle. And, and they walked into a Pentecostal church, an apostolic church, where God was moving and God was doing things, and revival had broken out. And God touched them and filled them with the Spirit and changed their lives so completely. And I remember this. My dad was part of that revival, and I'll, I'll come back to my dad in just a minute. And, and he... Um, uh, the, the revival that was part of that, my dad told me, he said it was so radical. He said, you know, we came in, we had these hippie beards and we were dressed like hippies and, and we had all this stuff going on and we got the Holy Ghost. And when we came back to service the next night, everybody welcomed us as first time visitors because they didn't recognize us. <laughs> they, they went and got cleaned up. They thought they had more visitors coming and they were like, no, we're the, the hippies that prayed through the other night. But that's how radical the conversion was, and that's how radical their testimony. And now you think about it. It was such, it's such a testimony, such a, a deal that we're still talking about it today. It impacted my life as a child, and I'm still remembering that today. I'm still talking about that today. That is the power of a testimony of what God can do in lives when it comes to our salvation experience. I'll share a little bit of my testimony. Mine's not nearly as dramatic or as exciting, but when I was nine years old, I went down to the altar, and by that time I had worn out the saints of the Most High by praying many nights on end, late into the night in the altar trying to get the Holy Ghost, but that was the night I was to receive it. And I remember lifting my hands and re- receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost for the first time and being baptized in Jesus' name, and God changed my life. But what I really remember is when I was 16 years old, and I went to youth camp, and I remember that uh, making up my mind that in that camp, I, it, it had been, you know, since nine years old, man, I'd, I'd done a lot of sinning between nine and 16 and it was time to, time to get a refreshing. And I, I was determined. I, I wanted to speak in tongues again and be refilled. And, and so I focused myself on, on pursuing the presence of God. And, and I remember that service, it was a day service and everybody else had, had gone out to lunch already. And, and I just wasn't through, like I said, I had a knack for wearing out the saints. And so I, I just, I began to pray and seek God. And I I remember all of a sudden I was, I was worshiping God and praising God and, and lifting him up in, in English. And then in, in the next moment, in the next instant, I began speaking in tongues and flowing in that heavenly language. And it was so profound and it, it, it impacted me so much that for the rest of that youth camp week, I couldn't get into the presence of God and begin worshiping God without just praying in tongues and worshiping in tongues. I couldn't hardly get anything out in English. And I remember, Kelton, you'll remember this. That high point of that week, it was one service on, on a night service. We went out and we were just, we, we took the service outside and we were face down out in a field out there at the campground, 
just to the all hours of the night worshiping God and speaking in tongues and seeking God's will for our life. That's my testimony. That's, that was the beginning of God's work in my life. And that's, that's what I can go back to when times are tough. And that's what I go back to when I, when I wonder if, if, I'm, if I'm still oriented on, on my journey and if I still need to hear from God. I go back to those moments of my testimony. It's something that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. I want to tell you, church, that your testimony, the world didn't give it, and the, the world can't take it away. The enemy can't take it away. The only way you can lose it is if you willingly surrender it, and I refuse to, to surrender my testimony. I'm holding on to my testimony. I, I've got power in my testimony. I've got victory in my testimony. I'm, I'm celebrating my testimony. Hallelujah. And so today we're celebrating our testimony. And I'm coming in slowly. I'm, I'm slowly making my descent to my conclusion here this morning. And I remember preparing to, to preach here recently. And Farrah told me, she said, now be sure you tell us what to do with the message. You know, it's one thing to have a good message, but what, what do you want us to do with it? So I said, yes, ma'am, I'll be sure to, to do that. So here, here's, here's what I want you to do with that. Oh, I said all that to say. Stick with me here. Let's do a little, let's do a little word study and I'll, I'll get to my point. The word celebrate is used three times in Scripture. Just three times. And they're all in the Old Testament. Now here's what's interesting about that. One of those times the word celebrate is translated from the Hebrew word halal. H-A-L-A-L. Halal. That probably sounds familiar to you. It's a little bit like the word hallelujah. Halal. It's translated in, in one of the three times in the Old Testament, it's translated as celebrate. Halal is also translated as praise. It's also translated as praise. So when we say hallelujah, we're literally saying halal Yah or halal Jah, which means praise Jehovah. So praise Jesus. But you could say, you could say celebrate Jehovah. So where the word halal is translated celebrate, it's also celebrated as, or it's also translated as praise. Now there are other Hebrew derivatives that are translated as praise. Halal is not the only one. However, it is no theological stretch to take Psalm 145 and 4, where the Bible says, One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. We could translate that as one generation shall celebrate thy works to another. Now, this psalm, Psalm 145 and 4, the one I'm reading to you here, it's interesting to note that that is the last psalm ascribed to David in the Psalter. That's the last one, as far as we know, that David himself wrote. And it's interesting to me that his parting words in the Psalter was one generation shall celebrate thy works to another. So after writing all of those psalms of praise, and some of them psalms of desperation, and cries for help, and the ups and the downs of David's life, all expressed in psalms, he ends by saying, one generation shall celebrate thy works to the next. I believe he intentionally is charging us to tell our testimony to the next generation. 
One generation passing it on to the next. I, I mentioned earlier that revival of the hippies in the 70s. My dad was a part of that. And, and I want to give you this example of one generation praising his works to the next. My dad, he got his start. He plays guitar and sings. And he got his start singing in the pubs and the taverns, to put it kindly. And, and then when he got the Holy Ghost and was born again in that revival, he started singing a new song. And it was a song of salvation, and it wasn't long till my dad started writing his own songs about God and the goodness of God. And he told me many times, he said, the Holy Ghost would come upon him, and he would just get out his pencil and his paper, and he would begin to write. There would be no mistakes, there would be no scratch-outs, there would be no erasing. It would just flow as, the, as God literally gave him songs that he, um, that he wrote down and penned and began to sing. And I can remember as a boy that my dad would tuck us into bed at night, and, and he would turn on that nightlight and he would get out his guitar and he would begin singing these songs he wrote. One of them went like this, riding down life's highway all alone. Toil and strife was all I'd ever known. Jesus took this broken life of mine. He found the pieces that I could not find. He put them back in such a special way and made my life worth living every day. It was my dad's way of taking his testimony and passing it to the next generation. And here I am today at 41 years of age and I remember my dad's testimony. I remember that one generation passed the testimony of salvation to the next. And so now I have a responsibility to give my testimony to my children. My wife, Farah, has an incredible testimony. If you've never heard her testimony, how she walked in off the street into an apostolic church. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. She joined the Bible quizzing team. She joined the choir and she's never looked back. She now has a master's degree, the only one in her family to graduate with high school or with master's degree. Since then, one has a high school degree. God brought her from a very long way and has a tremendous testimony. The bottom line is this, is you and I have our testimony and it must be passed to the next generation. It must be celebrated to the next generation. Why? Because what you say is what you get. What you say is what you get. What I give and I sow and I say into my children to the next generation is what I'm going to get. And so I want to challenge you today. If you're going through a rough spot in your life, I challenge you to celebrate your testimony. I challenge you to celebrate it to the next generation. Do your, need, do your kids need to come back to God? I challenge you to celebrate your testimony over them. Do you need help in God to move in your finances? I challenge you to celebrate your testimony over your finances. Does your spouse need to come back to God and pray through? I challenge you to speak your testimony over your spouse. Do you want revival in your city? Then start speaking your testimony over your city because what we say is what we get. And when you speak life into a situation, you get life in return. Because church, you have more power than you think. You have more authority than you think. You have Jesus Christ with you. And with God, all things are possible. And you are a king's kid, and so it is time to start celebrating your salvation. Can we clap our hands to the Lord for our salvation? Thank you, Jesus. So what are you so excited about today? As our musicians and singers come back to the platform. What are you so excited about today? Is it your salvation? Is it the joy of your salvation? I certainly hope that it is. And if it is, then you should share it with the next generation. This is not just 
a good idea. It's not just an inspiring sermon point. It is an imperative out of the Word of God. It's interesting to me that in Deuteronomy chapter 32, we refer to this chapter as the Song of Moses. This is the end of Moses' life. And he is kind of giving a recap to the children of Israel. He's going over all the great things God has done for them. And he's also, he knows he's leaving. He knows God's taking him. And he gives them some admonishment. He gives them some words of caution. And in Deuteronomy 32 and 7, it's interesting to me that some of Moses' parting words, one of the greatest prophets, men of God in the Bible, remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask thy father and he will show thee, thy elders and they will tell thee. Moses is saying, go back to that previous generation and listen to what God did for them. And so there's a responsibility on the part of the previous generation to tell it. And there's a responsibility on the current generation to receive it and to get it. And I didn't talk a whole lot about that part. That's another topic for another time, but it's a two-way street. One generation gives, the other generation has to receive. And so we must impart our our testimony to the next generation. Would you stand with me this morning? And so this is what I want to do this morning. I'll do it just a little bit different today if we can. If we can can do this decently and in order. As we do here at Grace, I want everybody to come down to the front. But before you come, what I want to do...